Welcome, everyone, to this month's Future Insight podcast. I am pleased to introduce this month's guest, Dr. Scott Richardson, Associate Professor in the Doctor of Physical Therapy, DPT program at Franklin Pierce University. Welcome, Dr. Richardson. Thank you very much for having me. Before we begin, please share with our listeners your professional life journey and uh, provide us with some insight uh, into your academic background and, and your professional experiences. Okay, well, great. I, uh, I grew up in Southern California, always interested in sports. I became a long-distance runner. This has relevance because I uh, received my undergraduate degree in exercise physiology and was really planning to uh, pursue something. I, I ran long-distance in college uh, and so was really interested in how uh, athletes can train themselves to perform at high levels. Uh, however, as I began uh, looking into this, I became uh, aware of physical therapy, as many physical therapists did through some injuries of my own, and was very interested in, uh, again, the, how the human body works and how uh, clinicians can help these patients to feel better. So went and received my master's of physical therapy uh, and began practicing a profession that I've really grown to love. Uh, had a private practice for several years uh, here in Arizona. After finishing physical therapy school, moved to Arizona, and I've been here since, and uh, really enjoyed that challenge of building a business, and it was quite successful uh, and absolutely loved all of that. Always in the back of my mind was a desire to teach, and so I enrolled in a PhD program in health promotion and wellness at Rocky Mountain University and took a job at Franklin Pierce University and have just really uh, enjoyed. It's been 10 years now teaching and have absolutely loved that whole process. So that's a little bit of how I ended up where I am today. Excellent, excellent. And and I, I didn't realize you had the background as a long distance runner. Uh, as a runner myself, I can now start to see uh, that in uh, reflected in a lot of your research as well in terms of the focus of your research. And, and in fact, uh, you mentioned to me earlier that that your journey as a researcher uh, has led you to what what you have termed uh, a true research passion centered around ways to assist students to succeed. Um, discuss what what motivated or caused you to focus your research on this topic or area uh, for investigation. Okay, great. Yes. So when I was doing my uh, dissertation, I was looking for an interesting topic and actually started down a very different road. I was uh, looking at the effect of resistance training on smoking cessation. Uh, there's been a lot of research looking at exercise and people trying to quit smoking, but most of that exercise is always aerobic exercise, a walking program, a cycling program, and very little had been done with resistance training. So that was my uh, PhD dissertation, still an, an area of great interest to me. Uh, uh, my initial plan was to continue to pursue a line of research along those lines, uh, However, I started teaching and very quickly began noticing things about my students. Uh, for the, the graduate program in physical therapy, it's in, incredibly competitive. There are usually three, four, five hundred applicants for 35 seats. 
And uh, so all of the students in the programs are very accomplished, uh, very intelligent, capable individuals. And I began to notice when we would do practical exams where the students need to demonstrate skills uh, that a small percentage of those uh, very capable students, they would, for example, score very high on the written exam. uh, So they know the content very well. However, then when placed in a practical exam situation where they needed to uh, interact with a a patient and perform skills, they suddenly uh, were very stressed and uh, in many cases could barely even remember their own name (laughs) or function on much of a a level. And that really intrigued me. So I started looking into some of the, uh, you know, talking to the students and asking them. And a lot of time it it dealt with anxiety. It dealt with uh, frustrations or struggles dealing with kind of the social element of uh, what they were doing in the practical exam. And as physical therapists, of course, it's a very unique profession where we interact very closely with patients. And that's uh, definitely a skill set that's needed. And so that led me to my first study where I looked at personality type, uh, extroversion or introversion, and the uh, impact on practical examinations. And so uh, looking at that, it, it was Interesting, you know, of course, my hypothesis was that perhaps some of these students that uh, have higher levels of uh, comfort, I guess, uh, being an extrovert, maybe that practical exam interaction would be less challenging for them. Uh, the results proved to uh, indicate a correlation or a relationship between uh, students who were extroverts and their uh, prowess in practical examination. So, that led me down the road I'm on now, looking at many different uh, what I would call non-cognitive factors or uh, factors in the affective domain uh, to see how those uh, traits or characteristics correlate with academic performance. And so we've looked at uh, quite a few different things uh, in that area. Excellent. And, and, it's, and it's interesting in terms of what led you to your, your current uh, uh, area of, of research focus uh, with respect to the, uh, uh, the personality type. And you talk about the, the spectrum of introvert to, to extrovert and that in, in, in the DPT program, uh, many of your students are already on that you know, that, that uh, continuum on the extrovert uh, uh, side of uh, or end of the, of the continuum. Um, what, what, what's a, what's a potential takeaway, if you will, if, let's, let's start with looking at that, the personality type. What, what do you think is a takeaway, uh, you know, uh, for, uh, for those of us that are um, engaged in higher education in um, uh, in relative to our students that we could potentially introduce into uh, into our classrooms or into our programs? Well, that's a great question. And I'll, I'll begin answering that by a lesson that I learned uh, just by doing this study before I, when I was in the process of trying to get the manuscript published, I submitted it to a journal and without realizing it, uh, a, a very strong bias was coming through in my writing that I, it was perceived that I uh, felt that extroverts were better and, uh, and, you know, had more to offer us in physical therapy. And, uh, of course, my first uh, uh, submission was to a physical therapy journal, and the reviewers didn't like that uh, implication that I was perhaps, you know, I, in fact, I remember a comment probably written by uh, 
reviewer who was an introvert saying introverts have a lot to offer as well. And so it really uh, set me back and I had to rethink how I was approaching this because that was not my uh, intention at all. To I, I absolutely feel that uh, there's a lot to be said for thinking before you speak and thinking before you act, uh, which absolutely. would be maybe a little more what an introvert would do. And so, uh, you know, I think a lot of the the key here is self-awareness and uh, knowing ourselves are, we all have biases. We all have tendencies, strengths and areas for growth. And certainly my, my thought was not that one personality type makes a better therapist than another. Uh, we all have personality types and uh, tendencies. And so uh, I think being, becoming more aware of ourselves as uh, educators, but all, that's what I really work with my students to uh, you know, first know who they are themselves before they try to project onto a patient or, you know, a different personality. So I think that self-awareness can, can certainly be a good place to start. Excellent. And, 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 and I'm glad you provided a little bit more detailed context for that, because uh, as you mentioned, that was not the intent of your research. It was just to look at some of those variables and the impact it had on academic performance, um, and, and some of the strategies that could be used uh, by everyone. Uh, and so, for, you know, that, that introspection, that self-awareness is one of those. Um, talk with me as, as well. Uh, I reviewed one of your uh, research investigations on, on emotional intelligence. Um, could you help share with our listeners, first of all, sort of give us a, a working definition of, of, of EI, and talk a little bit about uh, uh, your investigation, looking at, at that as, uh, as one of the variables. Okay, yeah. So emotional intelligence is often defined as awareness of and the ability to manage one's own emotions and also the emotions of others. And so just having that ability to, uh, again, that self-awareness to know right now I'm feeling anxious, right now I'm feeling frustrated, uh, fearful, what, you know, whatever the emotion may be, being aware of that. And then in the given situation, managing that effectively. Uh, often it's been said that, uh, and there are many uh, athletic applications of this, the idea that, you know, you can turn that fear or that anxiety in, into a positive and, and have that drive you and uh, strive for higher levels. But whatever it, it might be, there are many facets to emotional intelligence, as I've learned, as I've tried to uh, expand my knowledge in this area. And a lot of that, of course, applying it to physical therapy education, a lot of that uh, does deal with uh, collaborating with others, effective uh, interprofessional communication, and then, of course, managing uh, one's own uh, self during a, a stressful practical examination. And then ultimately, our students, after completing their classroom didactic part of the curriculum. They go out for a year of full-time clinical rotations. And so the hope is that that emotional intelligence, that awareness of that uh, increases during their time in the classroom and they can take that into the clinic and then into their professional careers. That's a great point that you provide that foundation in those those didactic courses in, within that environment. And then they can apply that understanding uh, and uh, adopt some of those strategies uh, out there in their clinical rotations. What about, I, I was intrigued as well by, by your, your, one of your investigations into uh, perfectionism. 
Um, talk a little bit about uh, about uh, your research in in in, uh, in this particular area. Yes, great. That yeah, that's an ongoing project. Uh, we're working on the manuscript to get that one published as well. And just as a side note, uh, most of these studies have been done with our students uh, assisting me, which I also love because it gets them that exposure to you know kind of uh, the research process and seeing how it applies directly. Uh, to their profession. So I bring that up because the, the idea of perfectionism, my, I had three students who joined me on the research project. And as we were presenting our results, uh, they all are self-proclaimed perfectionists, which is why they were drawn to this uh, study. And what we learned is that, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a perfectionist. There is adaptive and maladaptive perfectionism. Uh, a lot of the Individuals who claim themselves to be very focused on uh, details and so forth, that can be incredibly helpful and it can drive them to uh, succeed at a high level, to pay attention to details, to care about the process uh, in, a, in a very deep way. However, it can also become maladaptive where they are not open to new ideas and inflexible and, and struggle uh, you know, ever finishing a project because it's never completed in, in their mind. And so a lot of that, uh, again, back to the self-awareness, right? The students who find themselves having a lot of these uh, tendencies. In fact, the tool that we use to measure that is the intolerance of uncertainty scale. And, you know, as we know, perhaps ourselves or many around us, uh, it's just a very difficult thing in life to have uh, anything out of place or anything less than uh, perceived perfection. And so the the students who uh, perhaps fall in that category, it's just the ability to say, okay, I'm going to take these uh, strong tendencies that I have towards perfectionism and strive to use them in a positive way, uh, understanding I'm kind of wired this way. So how can I have that help me with whatever task I'm trying to accomplish? So that's been a, a fun journey to uh, once again, our maybe our initial uh, hypothesis. We remember we had three perfectionists helping me with this project, and so the uh, hypothesis was that's always a good thing, uh, and it always strives us to uh, you know work at a high level. But we did learn in our literature review that it can be harmful, and so it kind of needs to be managed, if you will. Absolutely, and the, and these are these are critical variables relative to the relationship they have with. With retention uh, and and helping students to uh, to uh, remain in in our respective programs through program completion, uh, your most recent research I know uh, there was one rather comprehensive study uh, uh, looking at the variable of of resilience and grit, and a lot of this overlaps, obviously. Uh, but uh, uh, but again, you introduced uh, and again, if you could give us just a working you know. Definition. I think a number of our listeners are familiar with uh, with grit, but but in, uh, if you could talk a little bit uh, about that particular variable of resilience and grit, and what you found in in that study. Yes. Yeah, so so uh, Angela Duckworth is a, a highly acclaimed author who uh, has published quite a bit and taught quite a bit about resilience and grit. And one working definition is simply the. Uh, ability to persevere towards a long-term goal despite obstacles. Uh, and so the, a lot of the 
the questions on that kind of measure resilience and grit talk about uh, this ability to uh, maintain uh, efforts over time. And so graduate school is a, perhaps one perfect example of uh, demonstrating the need for resilience and grit to stay on task. There's always going to be challenges and, and obstacles. So uh, in fact, right now we are uh, working on uh, a new project in its infancy stages, looking at growth mindset and grit. And so just a, a real quick working definition of growth mindset would be perhaps just that ability to see the potential uh, in the future, the optimism, the glass half full. And so then with my students, as we're looking, we're just working through the literature review right now, we're asking ourselves the question, which comes first? Uh, does the growth mindset beget uh, growth uh, or grit, I'm sorry, or just having grit uh make somebody more likely to have a growth mindset, kind of that, that optimism. And they're very interesting questions to, uh, to talk through. Uh, you know, I think in so many things in life, if we're, if we are uh, truly determined, we almost always will have obstacles and that ability to uh, stay true to our desire I, would be one way to demonstrate that, that grit. So, Again, back to my mantra of self-awareness, trying to help students realize, you know, I I look at it, all the students that are in my graduate program, they have already demonstrated pretty remarkable resilience and grit to just to get where they are, to uh, stay on that path. And the application process takes quite a while, and you have to have an undergraduate degree before you come into our program. And so they've already demonstrated some of those capabilities. But again, just how can they... Uh, maximize those in their future and and use those to their to their benefit. Absolutely. Again, a couple of other key variables uh, relative to uh, retention and persistence. Uh, anything else, uh, Dr. Richardson, that you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't discussed? Well, I I, I got into teaching. Uh, true, I, I love the content, but far more than that, I love the ability to interact with students. I just think teaching is kind of a, a magical profession. You know, it's not all uh, flowers and sunshine. There, There's work there and, and challenges that come along our way. But uh, watching the literal transformation of these students as they mature, uh, not only with the knowledge base they're gaining, but also with these attributes that hopefully they're becoming more aware of. Uh, you know, I often talk about our curriculum being a means to an end. And of course, we need to teach them a lot of physical therapy knowledge so they can go uh, perform well in that profession. But the true end is using the details of the curriculum to help them be the way that they, the best that they can be as a human being. Uh, Physical therapy is a very uh, obviously human uh, profession, a giving profession. And so I really just enjoy the, the process of working with the students to investigate some of these attributes and hopefully along the way helping all of us gain some increased self-awareness so we can all use this to be better individuals and professionals. Absolutely. Well put. Thank you, Dr. Richardson, for being our guest today. And thank you listeners for joining us for this month's episode of Future Insight. Until next time, stay well and take care. Thank you very much.